Welcome to another UCTV.TV podcast presented by University of California Television. It is my great pleasure to welcome and introduce Lisa Chen. Um, this is from her publisher, uh, Kaya Press. Mouth. Lisa Chen's debut collection of poetry gives voice to things that occur below the level of hearing or just beyond our notice. Fragments of translated stories, unanswered bits of conversations, the mute assertiveness of a room. In language filled with humor, insight, and hallucinatory wit, Chen uses fables, instructions, poems carved in the loneliness of Angel Island barracks, medical reports, classified ads, and reality shows to reach out to, quote, a visitor from the country of you where I didn't speak the language, end quote. These are poems to delight in and roll around on your tongue. They are at once a record of and a song for the discarded, overlooked, and unheeded speech that takes place in between the words we manage to speak, but that rarely say what we want. Please welcome Lisa Chen. Thanks, Giovanni. Thank you, Lunch Poems. Um, um, I used to be a student here, so it's kind of funny to be back. Um, A medical procedure. After some deliberation, I decide to have my head surgically removed, even though the procedure is not covered by my insurance plan. At my first public outing with my new look, public reactions range from stunned silence to hostile indifference. A woman I know vaguely from weary laps around social circles nibbles on her greasy samosa and compliments me in my summer getup. I discover that even without a head, it is possible to nod with rapt interest at what someone else is saying. I use my hands to pantomime my sympathies, shock, dismay, a full canopy of emotions under which we both seek shelter from the awkwardness of staring vacantly in a corner. Two drawbacks. One, I can't laugh, which I make up for by slapping my knee and rocking my upper body backwards in my chair. Two, I can't kiss, but I find that lightly pressing and twisting my companion's lips together between my thumb and index finger is an agreeable substitute. So this next thing is um, all taken from, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on the word because I have such stage fright now, but the (laughs) stuff from other cultures that people say that mean things. Okay, it's called a dog and a monkey. Listen to me. I've been meaning to mingle each other's knees for some time now. I've tried talking sense to you before, but it was like playing lute to a cow. But you're ready to hear it now, aren't you? No more seeing angels. I've always known your weakness for hair cream stallions would get you in trouble. And now you've saddled yourself another one. It's Weasel's play. Don't you know I've seen a cross to the other side of his heart. It is a cat's forehead. Him with that face that cries out for a fist in it. You think it's romantic how he lives like a maggot in bacon. You are the only one who is blind to the foxtail under his armpit. How his charm creeps on snake legs. Don't lie to yourself. It's not only when he is sleeping with a monkey that his temper flares. In fact, the location of his worm is always bad. Even if you have to swallow a toad on this one, 
I swear talking to you is like scattering baby spiders sometimes. But don't listen to me. It's only a matter of time before an autumn breeze begins to blow. He will try to reheat the cabbage, but don't you let him. You stamp on that mushroom good. May God close his mouth on that situation. What's the word that I'm thinking of? The thing that people, it's like... What? You know, it's like stuff from other cultures. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. It's like a lifeline. So, this is not going to last 30 minutes. Okay. <laughs> I'll slow it down. Um, need more interstitial chatter. Okay, so, I like to read spam that I get. Who actually reads their spam? It's pretty good stuff. So the next two stuff is, is spam-related. Uh, so the subject line of this is, she will love you more than any other guy. Penis enlarged Pax RX will expand the erectile tissue longer and wider without extra effort, thus making penis enlargement as easy as one, two, three. Be ready to any unrestrained imaginations. <laughs> Our hero opens a spam advertising penis enlargement. The email is a front for the recruitment of undercover assassins. Our hero opens a spam advertising penis enlargement. He buys the product but finds that it is not his penis but his brain that grows bigger. He overthinks things for up to four hours. <laughs> Our hero opens a spam advertising penis enlargement. When he responds, he discovers it is a portal to a ghost world of crime victims whose deaths he must solve and avenge. Our hero opens a spam advertising penis enlargement. He responds, triggering, triggering an unlikely romance with an online marketing associate in Beijing who is harboring an unseen physical shortcoming of her own. <laughs> I might die of thirst up here. Okay, so the, this is another spam thing. So this is a really weird spam that I got about... Um, about oh, somebody's giving me waters. Um, it was clearly written by someone who was not a native English speaker. I was doing translation, but it was like a weird advertisement for Louisville, Kentucky. So it's like, who hires these people? I don't know. So I, I sort of took it, and I did one for New York City, which is where I now live. But it includes a lot of um, some of the crazy language that I love. And it's pretty much written to get to the last line. Maybe you've done that, too. New York City is a cosmopolitan megalopolis in the collective states of America. The city was established in 1626 with 60 guilders of Director General Peter Minuit. The urban district is situated on the Philadelphia-New England Patriots border. The urban district stands exposed, surrounded by alternate side parking, with a whole population excessive of 8,300,000 souls as at 2008. This is the most populated bishopric in the joint states of America. I looked bishopric up. It's actually a word. I don't quite understand why it was abused. Okay. New York City is controlled by both the Metro Mayor and a legislative confederation called Metro Council. The Metro Council comprises of civil service seating, which reaches the top from the four boroughs constituting the New York metropolitan area. New York City is the obligation to deify in if you are looking as a remedy for an above-top investment of wholesale baubles in the United States of America. In the curtness of this city is a radically improved with bicycle shipping and overnight industries being the excellent developed. New York City is coastally situated in the U.S. Oriental Seaboard, features foremost underground canals and tunnels linking well-thought-of boroughs across the flatlands. 
It is also assisted next to a cavernous rail yard that has morals looking for shopping malls and MasterCard traffic. Wager silently, New York is a nursing home to the Immigrant Bus Authority, which is an intercontinental bearings nucleus with an in-vogue wait service capabilities. New York is the hottest objective of off-track betting, assuring your weekend historic and utmost of prosperity. The Berg is served not later than a vibrant Facebook commune with prominent intercontinental networks and major crimes coverage. Parks and ethnic attractions are within the environs of fatty pork, making it harmonious of must-go-before-I-die cities. Don't stand by, scrutinize presumptuous, and go to New York City sooner than time thaws. Oh man, thank you. Um, wow. So <laughs> this is a poem about, uh, also about New York. Um, who has been to Canal Street on New York, in New York, where the Chinatown stuff is, right? Right, the knockoff artist. So this is called The Knockoff Artist. It has a word I'm not sure I know how to pronounce. But who knows how to, is it Her- Hermes? The, the coach back? Here, thank you. Um, knockoff Artist. Come closer. It can't hurt to take a look. I got your Burberry hobos, Mont Blancs, Hermes, Birkin crocodile bags, and tangerine and lemon lime limited edition Mirakami Gucci purses, and Boohoo Kitty totes. The season of the knockoff starts later and lasts much longer than your standard fashion season. This is because the latecomers, the ones with the big ambitions, their wallets are just catching up to the desire as they reach my storefront. See how their eyes crawl over my merch, inspecting for evidence of craftsmanship, the texture of leather, the binding and satin interiors, faithful to the one they fingered in magazines and visited in the department store during their lunch hour. I think you'll agree that I have the harder test. Who has not treasured a pet to such an extreme that upon its death, another of the same pelt weighed heavily in one's thoughts? It is that way with animals. You see their indifferent doubles on the street with tongues lolling after false masters. I once loved a man who, no matter what shape my passion took, would insist that he was not what I was looking for, that there were many other men out there who were like him, but better. That was because he held my flaws with arms extended, as though deliberating whether a shirt stained with oil could be salvaged. I could see his too, and so what? There's a sameness to finer qualities like generosity and devotion, but there are countless and perverse ways one can be a shit. The bastard you can bear is the one for you. This made me the more loyal lover. The sure sign of a true knockoff artist is when he has even better wares to show you in his basement, a variety as you dared not believe possible. What is on display is never the limit of what is truly obtainable. To be a true connoisseur of imitation, you must admire the hand stitching the feathers. Um, wow. <laughs> Not quite sure what to get. I have one poem that rhymes. <laughs> Let's do that. It's called Ode to Brown Sauce, which is that brown sauce that you get in Chinese food that makes Chinese food taste generic when it's generic. Goop that won't throw, ever throw you for a loop. Sauce that never needs show who's boss. 
Thick, thin, the shapes you've been, you might have some people fooled, like the one tune Harpo played as a boy, fast and then slow, on the piano to go with a picture show. No one ever asks you by name, asks for you by name, but they get you just the same. Cornstarch and soy sauce's plain daughter, you're the one common denominator flavor, the girl you let go because you, th- you thought you could do one better, whose cool hand on your forehead or dick is the one you dream of when you're miserable sick. I think I've made brown sauce before. I think people make it by accident. Okay. Um, Here's what we're doing tonight. I'm the miracle worker to your feral man. You have been captured and traveling with the circus for some time, but a kindly gentleman, a dealer in antique firearms, has purchased your freedom. But he is getting frustrated because you are crashing into furniture and stalking the livestock, and now a sheep has turned up dead. The arms dealer retains my services because of my reputation for taming large beasts, lions, gorillas, etc. But I haven't been the same since an assistant was mutilated on an expedition to the South Pacific. I was not a coward, but I blamed myself, so it was with some trepidation that I accept this new assignment. When we first meet, you sniff me all over. I hold very still, fathoming the work I have to do. When I hand you a pair of underwear, you sniff it and then rustle it on your head. I take it off and mimic putting my feet through the leg holes. You put your arm through the crotch hole. I indicate how dirty and bad it is not to have a garment separating you from your clothes. You nod and you wipe your face with it. Finally, I lift my skirt above my head to show you my underwear. You are fascinated and pluck at the elastic around my waist like a bow. Obediently, your eyes never leaving mine, you put on your underwear. We sit at a table and I show you how to use a fork. At first, you pull the fork back high into the air as you would point a spear, but learn to lower it. You stop wiping your mouth with a corner of the tablecloth. You learn to accept very dead meat. Language is next. Milk, chair, sleep, hunger, orange the fruit, orange the color, city, solitude, night. One day we are watching television and you become agitated because on the screen is a swath of jungle which is being stripped by a logging operation. You pull on my arm and jab at your chest, then at the television. Yes, yes, I say. Later I find you crouched in the closet wearing your underwear on your head. So, um, it, it comes from things about Chinese cultural superstition stuff. There's, um, this is called Tales of Auspicious and Inauspicious Numbers, and um, I have a terrible Chinese accent. But the number four is, is, is inauspicious because it sounds like death. E-R sounds si, and then si, something like that. Maybe somebody knows better than I do. And eight is lucky. I don't, I'm not quite sure why. Does anybody know why eight is lucky? Chinese people? You're tripping me out here. (laughs) Sounds like fortune, right? Double happiness. Okay, tales of auspicious and inauspicious numbers. One, the daughters despised their stepmother, who dressed them in secondhand polyester jumpers and swore she would set them on fire if they mouthed off who fed them a diet of old rice and nitrates, who read them H.P. Lovecraft as bedtime stories, who gave them blunt asexual bowl cuts, 
who seduced their father in calculated increments measured by the rising slit in her chung sam in the mimi multiple octaves of her karaoke ministrations, matched by a half-lidded gaze that could take your raw meat and cure it. At first, it was an accident. They fed her four servings of her favorite chicken curry. Her stomach lurched, blew out its tires, and rolled in a ditch. Then they lined up her embroidered slippers four in a row at her bedside. She twisted her ankle, coming down the stairs. A home spa treatment left her skin looking sallow and waxen. Four artfully arranged rice crackers on a saucer choked the bird in her singing voice. For her birthday, they presented a four-hour miniseries made for Canadian public television on the damming of the Yangtze River that heaped sandbags under her eyes. When she begged for mercy, the daughters laughed, ha, 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 ha. Two. Every morning, he sets his alarm for 8 a.m. He made love to his mistress at 8 p.m. He arranged his sectional couch at an 8 o'clock angle. He opened an 88-cent store in Little Saigon that sold darly toothpaste, Mexican biscuits, mesh pan scrubbers, and devotional candles. He arranged to be buried eight feet into the ground. He squeezed his wife's breast religiously eight times before he went to sleep. He ordered custom-made placemats that said, I ate already, from the Internet. The direct translation of his cell phone number was prosperity, guaranteed prosperity, made more made easy prosperity twice in long life. When the neighborhood gave way to tapas joints and yoga studios, his business began doing poorly. Eight loans and eight losing blackjack hands later at the San Miguel Indio Bingo and Casino, he lost his lease. His wife called him an asshole eight different ways in two languages. His mistress did not return the eight messages he left on her answering machine. By the time we found him, he was living beneath an underpass, cooking beans in a butter cookie tin over a fire. When he saw us approaching, he beamed widely. The underdeveloped lot of teeth left in his head spelled out, I am the luckiest man in the world. Maybe if I weren't chewing gum, I'd be less thirsty. Okay. Three. H calls me. He is agitated. His voice is jumping on one foot. He says he's realized he's acquired six of the eight bigs, a color TV, a camera, a telephone, a refrigerator, a DVD player, and a set of furniture. The only thing he's missing now is a car and a washing machine, and he's not sure he needs a washing machine given the laundry facilities in his building. He says he is thinking of switching the washing machine out for a wife as the eighth big. If he should be so fortunate enough to acquire a washing machine later in life, he'll go back to the traditional list. He says his wife will never have to know. Every time you say no four times, I will say yes eight times. Ten minutes. Um, hmm. Okay. Um, that has to be this weird thing that I wrote. It has some East Bay stuff in it. My stepdad, who's kind of a curmudgeon, um, moved at some point. He lives in Berkeley. And um, we had to you know, get a phone, and, and he was talking to the phone people, and they were like, so we're going to list you in the phone book. And he's like, I don't want to be listed. And they said, <clears throat> well, it's going to cost you money not to be listed. Right, so he's like super irritated, right? He's a crank. So then he's, he's listed in there as Smedley Yee, even though his name is like Ed Herndon. Okay, so Smedley Yee appears in this. This is called The Radio at 4 a.m. From 1979 to 1982, there was a show on pirate radio that could be heard on Sundays from 3 to 4 a.m. in Richmond and El Cerrito. 
often spasmodically in the car radios of drivers along the Berkeley and Oakland border. The show was called Numchucks and featured interviews with subterranean writers, filmmakers, first edition book dealers, and former amateur boxers. The most riveting segment on each program was when the host, who went by the name of Smedley Yee, opened up the phone to callers. There was only ever one caller, who Yee referred to stubbornly as caller, as though to cloak the man in the possibility of multitudes. Yee and the caller had a barbed relationship from the beginning, according to longtime listeners. The caller would come out swinging about some position Yee had staked minutes earlier about Octavia Butler or Namju Pak. Their voices would puff their chests out and duck and weave, looking for a weak spot. So when Yee reached a pitch of exasperation with a caller, as he often did, he would interrupt and insist that they needed to go to a commercial break. Then he would aggrandize about a regional brand of potato snack or deliver a hushed public service announcement about what to do in the event of an earthquake. Is there anything as intimate and remote as the voices of a live call-in radio show when you are dead awake in the early hours of the morning? Are they not saving your life? The show eventually went off the air, but five years later, reports came in that Yee was once again on the airwaves, roughly within the earshot of the same coordinates, but on Wednesdays from 4 to 4.30 a.m. He had adopted another moniker, and the foreman had changed. Each segment involved him calling an 888 sex line and asking for a maid or a professor of Buddhist studies. The show was called Numchucks. I used to wait in another room, listening to the voice of my husband talk to other people as he made his way toward me. I would make no effort to move or otherwise make myself known. I could say I wanted to anticipate him with every one of my senses, or I could say the truth, which is that I wanted to be found. I have like five minutes? Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Um, so I thought I would try writing a novel, and I, but I have no sense of plot, and I, all I was doing was like writing lines that were like one line long. So this is obviously not a novel, but it's a lot of one lines. I call this piece the longest personal ad in the world. I call this the letter I will seal in an envelope on the last Saturday of mail service in the United States of America. I'm really freaked out about this. Do you guys know about this? <laughs> if mail stops on Saturday, it'd be really bad. Okay, in it I have added up the total number of times we've laughed together, four hours and 13 minutes. The day we met was like salt cutting through snow. I stopped eating sauce from jars. In those pants, you were as exquisite as a slow drag from a 10-cent Lucy. You who loots the galaxy of my stars into your velvet bag. You whose oligarchy of fingers I surrendered to. So what if we are no longer speaking? So what if night is not my own? Does that make me a parasite then, that you are an instrument to my joy? We're not over yet. I haven't wounded you there or there. Billboard for New Luxury Apartments, November 2008. Live like a Rockefeller, party like a rock star. Earth is a squat, said the musician between sets in Weeksville. Floor by floor, the slur of lights in the Avalon are switching on until it will no longer be a site of historical interest for this current recession. Even so, I insist on establishing residency in the unincorporated part of your town, despite the extortionist syntax. Even so, 
if, as you say, talking to me is like filing a Freedom of Information Act, black hedges around the words the, you, if, and then, speak less frequently if you wish to be heard. Airborne Operation Iraqi Freedom Leaflet. People of al-Basra, we are here to liberate the people of Iraq. Our enemy is the regime and not the people. We need your help to identify the enemy to rebuild Iraq. English speakers, please come forward. We will stay as long as it takes. Is it distasteful, then, to inject the war here? Isn't this how it happens to you, my fellow civilian, in the thick of your trivial and remarkable life? Materialized on hotel room cable, interstitial on the F train between East Broadway and Herald Square, Colosseum in the Embarcadero, in your poems about knockoff artists and Chinese superstitions, and your derivative horseplay with spam. The war has lasted so long it has won Best Picture. Jason Bourne is administering Tybo kicks through its two-faced revival. Dear Senator, dear Editor, dear Soldier, dear Enemy to Combatant, the fact of the matter is evaporating as quick as a board game hourglass. We are no longer speaking. If lonely, read Lonely People magazine, 10 cents, P.O. Box 178, New Haven, Connecticut. Mr. Lonely Man, join the Chicago Friendship Club for results. Hundreds of ladies belong. If sincere, enclosed stamped envelope, 3928 Broadway, Chicago, Illinois. 100 Ways of Kissing Girls, illustrated. 30 cents, American Sales Company, Springfield, Illinois. I'd like to be part of the future so I can make sport of the past. Does it matter if I'm being subjective or objective? The truth is I like you more the more I cultivate my distaste for others. God does not need the devil. He has man. Man needs the devil. The oppressor hardly need lift a finger, so industrious are we at undoing our chains to build an even bigger prison. Hypnosis. A monkey leads me into a brightly lit restaurant past the fish tanks and drops my hand. I look around and see everything is written on strips of pink butcher paper in Chinese, which I can't read. There should be a word for the melancholy of listening to a white person speak your mother tongue better than you do. Words form a phalanx of meaning. Words are wooden legs wrapped in emergency blankets. I tell you the story to exercise the agony of living it. In the hole, the prisoner practices sanity by tossing a coin in the air. The next however many of hours spent on his hands and knees in the dark, feeling for it. Again, again, again. My clamor to remedy my shortcomings will never overtake your desire to be rid of me. But you know where to find me, raising a glass with the other shipwrecks hunched at the bar, taking my lumps like bad ESL, like so much cold chowder, chowder in a leaking pavilion. I think you'll agree I'm better without the subtitles. I'm more lovable, dumb as a two-liter bottle of RC Cola. There should be a way to speak two thoughts at once, Roland Kirk, in through the out. Enough with the shadow puppets. Show me your hands. One day you'll give me that long satiricon stare, so it's fine if you don't say anything. Be night draped over a parakeet. Two years ago, I was like a brand new person. Maybe I'm not the thickest book on the shelf, but in my defense, I was never above anything. I was always right there. I think I'm going to stop now. <laughs> Thank you. 
You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.